Just um, a word to think about. I've been reading through, um, uh, you know, these prophets that are pretty um, uh, torturous in the kind of things that they're saying about the people of God. Um, Jeremiah, his lamentations, and then also the book of Ezekiel. It's like really interesting when you read through these. Uh, there's, um, Jeremiah maybe have ha- had one of the, um, you know, most, um, let's see, most difficult calls from God. It's talking to people who are disobedient and they do not understand. Um, they do not understand, you know, what they have been called to as people of God. Because they were called as a nation of priests. And I don't know if they, if, if maybe the chosen people are still, uh, the chosen nation is still sort of wrestling with that idea that we are called to be a nation of priests, which is to receive from God and to communicate God's heart and mind to the rest of the people and then to pray for the people and take their prayers to God as priests. It's not kings and priests, it's priests and kings that we are called to be. We cannot be kings in the Lord or rulers in the Lord's economy unless we are first priests. And Jesus shows us how to do that. The thing that I'm struck by when you read through Jeremiah and Ezekiel, we know that there are several names of God. We heard uh, that that video a couple weeks ago, all the names of God, and then pastor preached a great message about the names of God. We know that he has several names. We know one is about power, Elohim, and other different names about his majesty and his authority, but there is this name that he gave to those of us he wants to draw near to, and that name is Yahweh. It talks about, you know, when you know someone's name, you know, when you know when he gives you his name, he's really trying to draw you into the intimacy of relationship with him. And if you read through Jeremiah and you read through Ezekiel, you know, in all the judgments, in all the judgments, in all the judgments, in all the consequences that God allows to progress because of the people's disobedience, because of their idolatry, because of their promiscuity. Uh, on a religious level and also on a human level. Every time Jeremiah and Ezekiel communicate the name of God in its most intimate form, I am allowing this to happen so that you will know that I am Yahweh, that there is a love that I have for you. You know, God must allow wrath as a consequence because he loves so much. You see, if you have someone very close to you in your world and you're watching them be destroyed by something, whether it's a bad relationship or a substance abuse or something like that, you feel a sense of frustration. You feel a, you feel, because you know that there's something so much better for them. And this is the way of God. Throughout Jeremiah and throughout Ezekiel, with all the judgments and the harshness that you hear, this is why I am telling you these things. It's because I am Yahweh. And if you would just remember that I love you as a husband loves his wife, and that if you are a member of the church, I love you as Christ loved the church 
and I gave myself for you. See, this is the whole dynamic of what we are when we come to Christ, because we know that there is no other, there is no other God but him, and that he put himself in our place, and he took upon himself all the consequence and wrath of sin. He absorbed that once and for all for us. And he's saying, yeah, you can choose this, and you can come and call upon my name and have mercy, or you can live this way, but I'm always calling you by my name. I'm calling you to come back to the one who gave you his name. I gave you my name so that you could call upon me. And if you call upon me and I draw, my, draw you near to myself, then this is so much, the way of life is so much different. It's whole. It's whole. It's complete. That's what the word shalom means when, people te- when you hear people say that word, shalom. It means the wholeness and the perfection of God that we are called into. Yeah, we are. The Holy Spirit, we were breathed into to be made living souls, and now we have the capacity to have the Holy Spirit live in us, to unite our hearts to praise him. You know, we were, we were given life. We were given choice. We wandered from the one who made us and really truly loves us and knows us. But we can call upon his name and we can be brought back. And all of the difficult things that seem to mount up and, and uh, layer upon layer, it's all because God is trying to communicate something. You know, there is only one place where you can find the fulfillment that your heart desires. There's an eternity in you that only I can satisfy, and that is not going to change. And even throughout these judgments and these consequences, these, these uh, products of choices made apart from uh, seeking the one who truly loves us, there is no other way. He's saying, you, I am doing this, I am allowing this, so that you would know that I am the one who truly loves you, the one who gave you the name to call upon. And there's no other name by which you might be saved and be made whole. It's my name. Call upon me. And that's what we do every morning was we call upon him because we know that mercies are new. We know that his faithfulness is great. We know that um, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And a new day, we can thank him for it. And he's drawing us to himself. And there's difficulties and there's disasters and those kind of things. Uh, But God, God will bring it all together. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. That's our hope. And he loves us. He loves us. Yahweh loves us. God loves us. Gave us his son for us. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you that we are assembling in your name to meditate on your word, embrace it in these troubling times, to be rooted and grounded in love, to learn who you are, to share your life in our hearts, with our people we love, our families and our friends, and our churches, and 
for our summer, summer harvest, and also in a week, Eurocon, and the Europeans who are fighting a good fight of faith, growing, learning, are wise, humble people in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. We are of the same body, members of the same body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Use these thoughts for your purposes. Give them to me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Turn with me to the book of Esther, please. I've been reading a lot in the Bible for many hours, actually, um, the last few days. And um, enjoying so much what we have learned through the years and believing in it a lot, embracing it. And um, uh, I'd like you to uh, make a couple notes here. I think we're going to be all over the place in our message, so bear with me. And Bits and pieces might fall like crumbs in your lap, I hope. Some good stuff comes your way. Um, I'd like you to make, uh, turn to Deuteronomy 22 as a sub-point, and it's about the law. I loved what Pastor Steve said about God loving us. And we can't hear enough of that. That is so important that you would know that you are loved in a covenant relationship with God. He called you into his family and has made you a part of his family. And he has given you Christ, who Christ dwells in you, and the Holy Spirit, who is your teacher. So when you read the law... And I love reading the law, by the way. I love the book of Deuteronomy. And I like to read the laws and think about them and meditate on them because we have, we have this capacity for it. Look at Deuteronomy 22. I just want to show you a couple. You shall not see your brother, verse 1, you will not see your brother's ox or his sheep go astray and hide yourself from them. Now, the, your, your neighbor's sheep get out, but you turn the other way. They get out, they stray. And you just say, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I didn't see it. I don't know it. So, so why is that wrong? Why is that wrong? Isn't it a good question? Meditating on the law means that you're looking for love. Where is the love? Because the whole point of law is love. The law is fulfilled in one word, that you would love God with all your heart, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. So um, that's all. So my, my point, and we'll look at a couple more here, but my point is, 
Because the Holy Spirit is in you, he wants to teach you God's mind. He wants you and I to have God's mind, and that is love. Look at Deuteronomy 22. And verse, by the way, you don't, you don't live by law to get saved. You can't, that's obvious. That's the gospel. It's, you don't live by law to get saved. No. But all the scripture is profitable for doctrine, reproof, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. So I'm, I'm looking for something here. Uh, verse 2, if your brother be not nigh unto you, or if you know him not, then you shall bring it unto your own house. That's like if something is lost, right? Isn't it? Yeah. The, he's, your brother's not near you. This is his sheep. But you bring it to the house, your house, because he's not near and it will be with you until your brother seek after it, and then you restore it to him again. Like your dog got out, he got lost. I know who he is. I know who he is. I can help my brother find his dog, for example. Verse 3. In like manner shalt thou do with his ass, so shall you do with his raiment, with all lost things of your brothers, which he's lost. You have and you have found. You shall do likewise. You may not hide yourself. You may not hide yourself. Isn't that good? You will not hide yourself. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. You will not do that. Why? Love. But I'll get sued. I'll be vulnerable. That's one th- reason why we want to be wise about these things. But that that is something people are afraid. Back in our day, when we were young, we were hitchhiking across the country all the time because it was more in our culture to help you. It was more in our mentality to help you, not to think evil. But I could pick up a hitchhiker, take him across the country. That actually happened. That was actually the way we lived, isn't it? To a degree, you know what I'm saying. Here, let's read another one, verse Four, is it? Uh, no. Uh, five. The woman shall not wear that which pertains unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination to the Lord thy God. What? What? This is cross-dressing, I think. I think there's a name for it. That a man wears a woman's clothes and vice versa. What, what's wrong with that? That's the law of God. It's an abomination, he said. Oh, he's touching a social issue here. Huh? He's touching it. I don't like it. Oh, uh, yeah. Th- this is good. This is why I'm bringing it up. Because... Because you, you have a spiritual life. You have a spiritual heart. You have a spiritual mind. That you can meditate and reflect on the mind of God. There must be something about it. Uh, go to another law. It's uh, verse um, 
uh, the, well, six and seven are fascinating, but we won't. We that's a, that's a, another message. Eight is a message, uh, but I want to this thing about cutting the that evil put away evil. Oh yeah, it's verse. There's a few of them, them, and then it's verse twenty-two. If a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both of them die. Verse twenty-two. Both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. Okay. That phrase, put away evil from Israel. This phrase, put away evil from America. Put away evil from the community. What, what execution? The execution on the man and the woman. They used to say there weren't any, when they hanged horse thieves, then there weren't any more horse thieves. That's severe, isn't it? That's severe. Is, was there some meaning in it? I'm looking for the meaning in it. I'm looking for how a society can be destroyed or deteriorate. I'm looking at what happens to children. We're looking at what happens in the society. Well, we are so far away from a biblical perspective, but we're looking for the heart that is in the Bible. We're looking for the love. We're looking for God's mind. That he is saying, if you not only do you, in that case of adultery, not only are you uh, like giving it a pass, but you're promoting it in our society. Promoting it, like encouraging it, boasting in it, talking about it. And so what happens in the society? There's a deterioration that happens. Okay, um, so you, sh you and I should get offended by the word. You should get offended by the word. You should contradict your natural nature. You should say that's not right, especially us as Americans. Here, here's another point I want to be aware of. You, you and I live in a world, and this is the context of our culture, our culture affects us. Our culture teaches us. Our culture is embracing values. Our culture has an effect on us. And we should be aware of that. And you should get offended. You and I should get offended by the word. Jesus said, does this offend you? Remember in John 6? When he said, if you, you, you have nothing to do with it unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, that offended the Jews. Why? Because in their culture and biblically, eating human flesh and drinking blood was not allowed. But Christ did it and he said it and there's a meaning in it. But immediately you get offended. You and I get offended. Easily, because we're all about human rights. We're about human rights. Well, look at where our human rights have brought us. 
Look at where our freedoms have brought us without what? Responsibility. Victor Frankl said the United States should have a statue of liberty in New York and a statue of responsibility in Los Angeles. We should have the country covered by our freedom and our responsibility. And when you read the law, you read the word, the writings, the prophets, the Psalms, the Gospels, when we read it, we have this capacity for um, loving it. I I love your law, Uh, Psalm 19. Better, you are better. It's better than gold and more sweet than honey and more precious than silver in Psalm 19. And, uh, And God himself gave us his mind. And that's what we love. And we develop it and cultivate it in our hearts. Now, I say this because we want to look at the book of Esther for a few minutes. And I want you to see Persia was a culture that was invaded with evil. And the man that did it was a man whose name was Haman. Haman. And uh, the Jews are the target. The Jewish people are targeted by the government. The government has targeted the Jews. What to do? How to think about it? How to relate to it? In our country, in our world, and I'm not talking about politics primarily, I'm talking about a general culture everywhere. What is being fed to us? What are we exposed to? What are we thinking about? And what's important to us in our hearts? And is truth important to us? Because um, it's really needed. It's really needed. And what, what, what was needed in the book of Esther was uh, somebody who had it in his heart and in his mind. He understood Uh, what was happening. Not everybody understands what is happening. And and that when they they might even know that that things are happening, but um, they don't know what to do about it. They don't know what to do about it. But this is your, your secret and mine is that our walk with God leads us and we know what to do. In our, in our situation. We learn about it. So let's look at uh, Esther chapter 3. And we have uh, verse 8. Haman said unto king Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not fit for the king's prophet to suffer them. What what laws? The ones I just read. You know, no (laughs) cross-dressing. I don't know if they did that in Persia, but Haman is saying, these people are weird. They're different. Their laws are different. Their culture is different. 
Their way of thinking is different, and you shouldn't tolerate it. We should get rid of all the Jews. And it pleased the king, verse 9. Oh, I'm sorry. If it pleased the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And he gave an incredible amount of money. I have the number somewhere, but I want to just finish, go quickly over this. I want you just to notice it. Verse 15. The posts went out. That's the riders, the um, camels or horses or donkeys, the cur- couriers, the carriers of the of the proclamation, the the decision, and um, the the decision. There was a decision made that on a certain day, that everybody in the kingdom had the right to kill the Jew. And the interesting part of the story is that they pulled a lot as to what day that would be. And it gave about 11 months for this thing to develop. About That day would happen, I think it was at about 11 months later. So in God's providence, he gave a good period of time for it to be handled in the kingdom and reversed in some measure. They couldn't reverse it, but they could do something about it. But I I want to get to the point here, and it's verse 15. The post went out being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city Shushan was perplexed. So we have government, we have the we have um, we we have the the Christian here. We have uh, the people around in the city, and they are perplexed, um, confused, troubled, worried, uh, anxious. Um, I have a paper here. Anxiety grows among Americans as crisis after crisis spirals out of control. Inflation, mass shootings, pandemic, insurrection. The American people have been left feeling like so many things have spiraled out of control and that those charged with addressing them can't fix them. I think that's a good way of saying it. We have problems in education and our streets. And remember four years ago, we were on this roof out here during the COVID time. Remember that? And uh, before we were on the roof, we were in here preaching to an empty room and online for maybe eight weeks. Very interesting. It says, the Kaiser Family Foundation poll put a number to it. 90% of Americans feel we are in a mental health crisis. And then there's a whole bunch, a lot of numbers about homelessness and drug abuse and health issues and so on. So you know about it. The city of Shushan is perplexed. They made some decision in the, king, in the palace. What's going on? What did they decide? A genocide, killing the Jews. Let's read now chapter 4. Verse 1, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, he rent his clothes, put on sackcloth with ashes, went out into the midst of the city, and cried with a loud 
and a bitter cry. What's that sound like? What's it sound like? Who is this guy? Mordecai. Who is he? He's a Jew. What's he do about it? He stays quiet. Stay at home. Be quiet. Don't say anything. You shut up. Be quiet. Pay, pay attention to your own stuff. Don't worry about it. Don't do a thing about it. He didn't do that. He didn't. He didn't do it. Why? I don't know. God did it. God raised him up. God did it. The guy was not ashamed. He was not afraid. He went into the public. He went out into the public. Isn't it? What did Jesus say? If you deny me, I will deny you before the angels. I wonder what it means to be denied before the angels. Like the, I don't know what it means. It's not explained. But, but I believe that if we do the right thing, God will tell the angels, go help that guy. That guy's in trouble. You'll not be denied before the angels. You'll be helped by the angels. We'll be helped by the angels. This world is spiritual. There are spiritual powers everywhere. There are angels everywhere. There is God's presence everywhere. God is in this world. And I personally believe that all this trouble that we have is used by God to bring people to Christ. I believe that people start looking for Christ because it's insane to live here without without faith. It's insane to live your life like with Carl Sagan's philosophy. You know, uh, the cosmos always has been, is, and always will be. He just replaced... Carl Sagan was this popular astrophysicist from Cornell who had a TV program. And we, we say God is, God was, God always will be, but he just changes the word to cosmos. And he believed only in the material world was the only real reality, the material world. Well, he's gone now. I don't know what he's believing right now. But surprise, surprise. The world is spiritual. We are here on purpose. God put us here. And the Holy Spirit is indwelling you and I. And we are in something that is very important. We are in a world where, where God has put us here. And it's very important that we would have something going on in our hearts. Like, what do you think about cross-dressing? I don't like it. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's a perversion. You don't teach that to children. That's a perversion. I'm against it. I don't believe in that. Where'd you get that from? From the Bible? Oh, don't, don't, what is it? Don't, what, stuff the Bible down my throat or whatever it is? Well, you know, it's like those things will be said anyway. But how do you live your life? How do you die when it's time to die? How do you have friends? How much do you help the poor? What do you say to people that are different from you? How do you live your life in love? When your neighbor's sheep are out, are you there to help him? 
Yes. Why? Because it's in our hearts. Where did you get it? It came from God. But the coldness, the atheism, the, the nasty, selfish nature of us as people is in our culture. But it's not in you. It's not in you. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You, you have it in you. Let's read chapter 4, verse, he had, verse 1, he went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. Hmm. Wow. I don't know what that means, but it just doesn't mean that I'm backing off. I'm not afraid. That's what, that's what I think it means. I think it means that we have a message. Yeah, it means that when something's wrong, we're able to just say it. Say it. I love the heroes in our world where they are standing up and pushing back. I don't know how it will end up, but we are called to a kingdom where Christ is our leader and we follow him. We are followers of Christ in love. And we are, we are uh, there. We are present. Verse 2. And came even before the king's gate. He went even to the White House. That's the meaning there. He came, went to the place of government. He came, went to the Capitol. He went to Capitol Hill. He came even before the king's gate. For none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. But he went there with sackcloth. Right? No, I'm sorry. You came. You're not supposed to, but he was dressed with it, right? Yes, he had. He 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 wasn't supposed to. And in every province, verse three, wherever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Okay, go to Proverbs 29, please. Verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And there were kings in the Old Testament that were righteous, and there was a rejoicing with the people. Uh, it happened with King David, happened with Solomon, happened with Hezekiah, happened with Jehoshaphat, it happened with Asa. Um, there were there were when Jesus came, and they were with Jesus. They understood so there was the rejoicing but when the wicked bear rule the people mourn okay now turn to second thessalonians chapter 2 and we have the time that we are living described here So it's way we have a uh, 
short, simple outline, we have the Old Testament time, we have the cross, we have the church age, when the rapture happens, we will go, the rapture will happen, there will be seven years of real trouble, and then the thousand years called the millennium, and then there will be the white throne judgment here at the end of the millennium, and then the eternal age, it's called. There's not a lot written about it, but there's a new heaven and new earth, the eternal age. That's in the future after the white throne judgment. Uh, so we are uh, in the history. We understand our Bible. I love it that the Bible tells us about our future. And you, you, you need, oh, here's another little warning for you, you need imagination. You need imagination. Okay, important. And it's not hard. Just be a child and imagine a better world. Imagine a world people made like princes uh, and princesses, people like angels. Imagine people like some kind of amazing world where there is no pain or suffering. Imagine Christ and his love, his kindness. Imagine righteousness, not bad government, but righteousness. Imagine a world that's perfect. Imagine God one day taking every bad thing and making it right for there to be judgment on everything, everything, everything perfected. Everything, not just the past, but the present world, the world that is, that is better. Okay, so we have trouble here. This is the beginning of sorrows. We'll put just the arrow there. That's like where we are. And then this very bad time, which the book of Revelation writes about, called the tribulation period. And the world leadership, the leadership in this time. We see the leadership now. But it's worse in the tribulation period. And that leadership, you, you and I should get a feel of it and realize that evil things can happen. They happened in the book of Esther with that decision to kill the Jewish people. But then there was God's man and then his niece, Esther, who was the queen in the providence of God, and God used her and him to change things and save the Jewish people. Okay. How is that different? How is that different today for us? How is that different? In in spirit, it's the same. It's that we have we also have this the Holy Spirit in us to understand. Uh, and to be here. But there is a falling away, so let's look at that. Here, Second Thessalonians 2. And this is like 1 through to verse 12. But we will not do the whole, but I just want to point it out to you. 
verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as at the day of Christ is at hand. Meaning of this is that he had already taught them He had taught them about the end times. He taught them about the coming of Christ. Now, when Christ left, he went up into the, he went up in the clouds. He went somewhere. That's the meaning. You know, Christ could have disappeared. We wouldn't even know where, what direction. But the fact that he went in a direction means that he went to a place. He went somewhere. God is telling us he went up. He went in a direction. He went somewhere. That's John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't so, I would tell you. But he did. He went. And he's coming back the same way. The same way? The same way. He is coming back in the clouds. Now, the cloud in the Bible often was used for the Shekinah glory, the glory of God, the presence of God. The presence of God, when Christ returns, will be so strong, and all the saints that are with him, it'll be so strong. It'll be incredibly strong. There is no resistance to it. He's coming back in the clouds as the Messiah to make the world the way it's supposed to be. That's the meaning of the millennium. The millennium is a time in history where you see the world the way God intended it to be. Right now, it isn't that way. We, we live a relatively short time, 70 years. We're supposed to live longer. We have a lot of problems, disease, emotional, relational problems. We are sweating with our jobs and worried at night and can't sleep and we get diseases and as bury our loved ones and this is the world we are in it's under a curse this world is under a curse when he comes back he removes the curse and then ultimately at the eternal age it's it's absolutely gone okay so all right, that's, I guess that's, I think I might just end my message, so that's all, I guess, for today. I have a lot to say about this chapter 2, about the Antichrist, about the times we live in, the fall away of Christians. Let's read just verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. There will be a falling away of Christians away from the faith. They will fall away. They will not believe in Jesus. They will fall away. They will not be believing in the Bible. They will not be reading the Bible. I don't even know what, what people are reading today anyway. If they are reading anyway. I, I mean, it's amazing. What was it? A third of our eighth graders can't read like any. They can't read or something in our country. I, I mean, I am so worked up about it, and I'm so concerned about our country. 
I am so concerned about what is happening as people just, they just sleep their life away, spiritually speaking. They have no interest. They don't want to get in any trouble. There is no fight in them. They have very little conviction about things, and they don't have a clue about how bad it is. And Jesus is saying, I'm coming back. I need you to pray. Now, this past week was an amazing week of prayer um, in our chapel here. All week long, it was amazing. A lot of good stuff happening. And I'm praying for worldwide revival. And I know we all are. And I, I would love to see great things happening, but there will be a falling away. I don't think that falling away is in China. I don't think that that falling away is in Africa. I think that falling away is in the West. I think people are falling away from the church. Are you? Yes. You could be tempted. You just watch Carl Sagan. You have no imagination. Just take your imagination away. Be just a cynical unbeliever. It's easy. Then you just get affected by your culture. And um, uh, something big is going down, but you don't have an idea what it is. I'm not saying you, I'm saying us. That we don't have an idea of what it is. Well, um, the Lord has sent us into the world with a message, and that's the gospel. And if our, if our, if our life, if we're awake to God, God will help us bring that gospel into the world with the message of love and in our country. To the world listening, come, be missionaries in the United States of America. We need help. Come, preach the gospel in America. Pray for America. Come, share the message. We want to see a lot of Latino churches. They're coming here by the millions. Why wouldn't we have Latino churches everywhere in the United States and share the love and the grace and the message with these precious people to hear the gospel and learn about God's love? Okay. Amen. Do you pray with me? <clears throat> Lord, we uh, thank you for these thoughts this morning, and I really mean it. We mean them by way of love and and just truth. And thank you for your love for us, God. And help us to understand these times in Jesus' name. We pray. Anyone listening, you have not yet come to Jesus in your heart. It's the wisest thing. You must be born again. You must be, he said. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven without being born again. By believing in your heart in him. That's all. Believe in him and trust him. In Jesus' name, amen.